You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Ken. Welcome back to the studio, boys. Mm. Ah, fresh snow outside. Fresh Our snow. ankles are drenched. Yes. My feet are cold, but it's uh, it's good to be back. And your heart is cold. Yeah. To be honest, this is our first episode back in a while. We took a little holiday break there, but now we're back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't really know what happened the last recording. I can't remember what episode we recorded before the break, but... Christmas. It was Christmas, Was Neil. it? Oh, it was, I guess. Yeah. In November, I believe. <laughs> yeah. That's your standard Christmas recording time, right? Yes. And you must be hating this, Matt. The weather, the yeah. snow, the recording, any of those things. <laughs> it's a toss-up. No, I love being here. <laughs> Jeff, how are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it means coming back to a little bit more work, but, you know, I always have fun, so... But we have a great episode today. We've got uh, a couple exciting guests uh, joining us today. Let's start with our uh, competitor today, Jill. She's a secret agent out of Connecticut, <laughs> and uh, she's an Oakland Five supporter, which we greatly appreciate. How are you doing today, Jill? I'm doing good. I'm just kidding. She's not a secret agent. But uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. I see you have quite a collection behind you. Yes, uh, my fantastic Lego collection. Um, I've always been a fan of trivia. And so I found you guys because I kind of searched in with podcasts for trivia and you guys came up, started listening to you guys. Now I've heard every single episode um, on my way to and from work and when I'm running because um, I run a lot. Um, and so I'm hoping today that um, I can answer as many questions as I can get correct when I'm in my car. Yes, of course. And uh, glad to hear you just searched us and it came up. Uh, the algorithm works. Uh, <laughs> thank you to Neil for naming us Triviality. Yeah. You're welcome. Triviality, the trivia show with trivia for yes. trivia, trivia. Exactly. <laughs> and our uh, next guest who will be hosting today is Ian Schulze. 
He's uh, from Vermont. He's an Oakland Five supporter. Thank you for that, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so, yeah, as you said, I, I live in Vermont. I do tech support from my house, uh, so, um, you know, I, I get to be snowed in all the time and still work. Um, I don't mm. get snow days. Uh, the but, dream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm glad to be here. I uh, just got back from a walk with my dogs in the nice 15-degree uh, weather. So, Ugh. How fresh is that maple syrup up there? It's very fresh. Mm. I was just thinking my, uh, about it. Drink it straight from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbors have uh, sugaring lines in their maple trees. It's fascinating business how that works. Because we know nothing about it. <laughs> well, listen, we don't know what sugaring lines are. I, I listened to a <laughs> podcast once, and I was just fascinated by them like sticking things in a tree, and then stuff comes out. I've seen people tap Let's trees. Let's drink that. Let's drink it. Yeah, what about the first guy Put who did that? Flapjacks. <laughs> What's this sticky substance? I'm going to drink it. <laughs> I well, drink they, your they, syrup. They cut the tree down, Neil, first, and Ooh. then they're like, ah, oh, this wood sucks. And then but they smell tasty. it, and then they start licking the boards, and then one thing leads to the that next. That coffee table is delicious. So they're all called board lickers, right? <laughs> just, <laughs> just a bunch of New Englanders just licking wood. Someone walks in. Hey, what are you guys up to? Uh, right. I'm going to back out. Well, enough about licking wood. Uh, before we start playing, we got to get the rules. we got to get the rules, Neil. So let's have uh, Darren kick it off. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager zero to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. All right, now we know how to play. Shall we begin? Yeah, uh, Matt, do you want to play today? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'll play today. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I came all the way here, so. Yeah, so we'll be partners today. Uh, Matt and I were overjoyed uh, by some news uh, just this past week, actually, that um, Aaron Rodgers was eliminated from the playoffs and the Packers are gone because we're big Bears fans. So, mm -hmm. what should we name our team today? Uh, you know, the, he owns the, the Bears, he says, but, you know, there will be no Packers in the Super Bowl, so we're saying no Pack, no. All right. And uh, in honor of uh, Jill's wonderful collection of Legos, uh, which I, I only aspire to as, as nice and organized as that is, because I, you know, I'd like to get there one day myself, we're going to be Go Let Go. Go Let Go. All right. No Pack, no versus Go let go. Hope it'll give and us a little bit of luck. The, the winner gets crowned Go Ninja Go. <laughs> that sounds fun. Ken, right. Ken's not playing today. He's, I'm, I'm gonna, he's hanging I'm gonna out. score keep. So let's uh, let's kick it off, Ian. Um, so yeah, uh, I just finished listening to the latest Game of Death episode while out on a walk, where you guys were feeling pretty old with their references. Uh, so I'm probably 15 years older than you guys. So I popped a couple Centrum, and I'm I'm ready to go. So uh, <laughs> here we go. First question: Current events. On November 30th, 2021, Barbados became an independent republic. On the same day, what good girl gone bad became national hero of Barbados? You guys like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jill, uh, did you hear this one in the news? No, but I think the end of the clue gave me a hint. So I think it's Rihanna. I'm almost positive it's Rihanna. Famous. Uh, Barbadian, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the second he said Barbados, I didn't just go, Rihanna. Because <laughs> I, I almost did. <laughs> we also locked in with Rihanna. 
points all around. Uh, the answer is Rihanna. Good Girl Gone Bad is the name of her 2007 album. All right, good start, guys. Excellent. So, question two, art. Buried in the small town of Hoosick Falls, New York, where she spent her later life, is an artist that came to prominence in her 70s. In 1938, she sold her paintings at a drugstore for 3 to $5 each. Three years later, she had her first solo exhibition titled What a Farm Wife Painted. The paintings would soon sell for eight to $10,000. What name is this matronly artist popularly, popularly known as? Do you have any ideas? No, I don't know anything about art. Um, so, yeah, we'll lock in with whatever you write. Okay. Well, matronly makes me think Grandma Moses, maybe. I like that a lot. Um, that would also explain, you know, coming to prominence in her 70s. So that, that sounds good to me. So we'll lock in with uh, Grandma Moses if you're comfortable with that. That sounds good to me. Perfect. Mm, that sounds like a real answer. Uh, we didn't know. We had uh, we were to tossing around Mama Cass, obviously not right. Um, we just went with uh, the classic Martin Lawrence movie, Big Mama's House. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, points to Jill. Uh, the artist is Grandma Moses. I uh, pass a historical marker out every time I visit Jill's home state of Connecticut on my way through New York. All right. Question three. Good, good, good try, guys. Well, we, we, we heard Big Mama's House was adapted from some famous art, so could only go one way. When you're good to Mama, Mama's good to you, Neil. I was going to say Mama Morton, but I knew that was wrong. Good old Chicago. Alrighty, question three. It's right in the name. Founded by the Raffle Brothers in 1964 is an American fast food chain. Contrary to an, to an urban myth, the name of this chain does not represent their primary sandwich ingredient. What is this company with nearly 3,500 locations? It's not Wendy's because I don't think every hamburger contains a little <laughs> bit of Wendy. <laughs> I think I told that story before about my great-grandma who refused to eat a Burger King because then one on the corner by her house had a giant figure of a, of a king sitting on a burger. And she said, if they have a person sitting on the meat, I don't want to eat there <laughs> when it first came out. Prudent. Prudent advice. That's good advice. Yeah. I only want to eat meat that's been sitting on by a king. That, that's what Smashburger is. <laughs> um, the question is, is 3,500 locations a lot? They don't have that many of those. Do you think they have 3,500 of those? Yeah. They're very popular in the West Coast. And in the oh, South. they are? Okay. All right. We can go with that. Okay. We're locked in. So my first thought, if the only one I can think of that has a food in the name is Steak and Shake. I like that a lot. That's about the size of the amount of franchises I would think they would have, a smaller restaurant. Um, and I couldn't think of any other good ones. Um, everything else that had like sort of a thing in it, much larger. I mean, Burger King's got to have fifteen or 20,000 locations. Taco Bell doesn't make sense in that sense. And, and, so we, I, just, and we just learned that all the meat is, is uh, pressed <laughs> through cheeks at Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> have it your way. But uh, no, I like, I like Steak and Shake. Um, that sounds like a great, uh, great answer. All right. They locked in with Steak and Shake. I also like Steak and Shake as a food, not as an answer because we didn't put it down. Uh, I was thinking possibly it's more of a West Coast and Southern chain, um, but maybe Wiener Schnitzel. I don't know if that's a meat, but it's also a name of a, a food chain. So we locked in with the Wiener Schnitzel. All right. Well, uh, I guess I swept you guys on this one. Uh, the answer is Arby's. Oh, I was going to uh, say Arby's because I just ate Arby? there last night. 
there's an urban myth that stands for roast beef rb but it's actually uh, from uh, raffle brothers uh, i'm so hungry i could eat rb <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking arby's and that doesn't make any sense what is that and yeah. then i just went, went right through <laughs> i had just read that that urban legend too and i didn't even think about it so so some some of our friends went to Arby's yesterday to try that uh, spicy sandwich that they got. Yep. And they're out of it. Completely so out of it. So they literally did not have the meats. They didn't. Ming Rams <laughs> lied to us. <laughs> they did not. Alrighty, let's move on to question four. East Coast literature. Primarily known for his other writings, what author has only one novel to his name? The narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. I kind of like your middle one. He, he, that's an American, right? East Coast guy? Yeah. And what's the name of the guy who wrote... Um, I don't want to give any clues away. I can't think of the name of the thing now. Um, if I Did It. That was O.J. Simpson. <laughs> Famed American <laughs> poet. <laughs> so we wrote down a few names here. Uh, one we think is too obvious. One we don't know if that's even an author or a poet. And <laughs> one who I think wrote something we both enjoy a lot. So we're going to lock in. Um. I was thinking, so I was thinking short stories and I was thinking East Coast. And my first thought was Washington Irving um, because I know he was from New York and I visited um, where he's buried in Sleepy Hollow before. Okay. Um, but that is not a 100% answer. That was just my first thought. No, that's that's good. I was thinking of other East Coast writers. Um, I'm trying to think, could this uh, Poe wrote a lot of short stories, but I don't know if he ever wrote a novel. Um, other one novel people that I could think of didn't really fit with the novels I know they wrote. Yeah, you want to go with, because uh, 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 Poe is from Baltimore, so. Right. Um, I'll go with whatever you're, because I'm well, not 100%. No, I'm not either. Let's try Washington Irving and see what uh, happens. Yeah, we both wrote down Poe first, just because East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, but then, I don't know where it came from. I wrote Irving, and then I said, Matt, who wrote the Headless Horseman story? And he said, I think it's Washington. And we said, wait a minute, it's the same person. Mm -hmm. So that's what we went so, with. So yeah, Irving Washington, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> Washington Irving. <laughs> oh, points to me again. Uh, you guys, uh, all everybody went right past this one. And it is Edgar Allan Poe. Oh. Mm. Overthought it. Yep. Sorry, Jeff. No, no, I, I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't think it was Poe. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he's buried in Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken. So Baltimore's on the East Coast, too. Mm. This might be a stupid question, but the Baltimore Ravens are named yes. after Poe? Yes. Okay. I wish they had a Poe like, on their helmet, Yes, though. that is a stupid question. <laughs> just yes, like that a, is. like <laughs> bust. Yeah, just the a mascot, bust. Um, the mascot for the uh, teams in New York is the Headless Horseman in oh, Sleepy Hollow. See, that's that's cool. cool. That's cool. I like cool mascots. Yeah. All right. Question five. Tools. First developed by Hugh, Hugh Halligan, the Halligan bar is now available in a number of sizes from 18 to 54 inches. Due to possible conflicts of interest, it was not first purchased by the city of New York, but instead by the city of Boston. So many New Yorkers brought them from Boston, uh, and then after a while, the city relented, city of New York, that is, and started buying them from Hugh as well. Most likely, users of a Halligan bar are in what? occupation now he said the category was tools and i thought it was going to be an aaron Rodgers question but... mm. what's in new york there's a lot of scaffolding in new york you've been there who's there what's there <laughs> there's a lot um garbage garbage yeah i'm trying to think of a tool that they would use a ton i mean something to do with uh lifting um what do you call them oh my god I'm a girders brain fart. no the things on <laughs> the things on the street where the steam comes from girders girders 
Is that what they're called? Girders. Those are the big, the big metal things. Oh, I thought when you go to a them. wedding, they always say make sure you you get the girder off with That's your teeth. That's the garter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd love to go to a wedding where someone throws the girder. <laughs> <laughs> throws the goiter. It's worse. Ooh, it's disgusting. Uh, Happy wedding. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. I'm trying to think of a tool that's that long. Um, yeah, well, we're going to lock in. Um, <laughs> you had to. We're going to lock in, and I, I have a, I have an idea. Okay. Something of that size, I would think that you'd, you'd need a lot of – if it's a bar, I'm thinking of, like, some some tool to, to really apply a lot of torque, especially when you're talking about, like, a foot and a half to more than four feet. So I don't know if it was for um, removing train wheels or something to do with the subway system or I don't know why, you know, New York would eventually relent. But it's subways or skyscrapers, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, maybe maybe some application there. I like subways because um, Boston's got the, the T. Okay. And yeah. Okay. So we'll say that uh, they're a, a rail worker, maybe just to be yeah. generic. Okay. Sure. Uh, I think it might be some kind of either Jaws of Life or Jackhammer type item. So we're going to say construction. All right. Uh, well, Ken and Jill got the closest. Or sorry, Jeff sorry, and Jeff. Jill got the closest. Um, the occupation is actually firefighters. Um, mm. the, it was developed by a, a New York City firefighter. And um, it's basically a steel bar with tools on the end that they use to pry open doors mm-hmm. and things like that. So I forget who said it, but Jaws of Life uh, was kind of close, but not quite there. Yeah, that totally makes sense. All right, so no points on that one, but with five questions elapsed, uh, looks like No Pack No has ten points. Go Let Go looks like the secret agent training is paying off. They have twenty points. Mm-hmm. Double the score is not too impressive when it's only one Double question. Score. <laughs> All right, question six, the final frontier. The NASA programs of Atlas and NeoWise have a mission. In a way, the mission is to let the people of Earth know if we need to recreate the events of a blockbuster 1998 science fiction movie, which won a 1999 MTV Movie Award for Best Movie Song and a 1999 Razzie for Worst Actor. What is the mission of Atlas and NeoWise? Hmm. To I'm drunk, uh, Mr. I'm Pink. Sure, I'm. I'm seeing the lights going up, Jill. I think we're good Don't though. <laughs> oh, you're locked in. Don't wanna fall yeah. asleep. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We're talking about Armageddon, uh, and in that movie, they tried to send a mission to break up uh, an asteroid meteor that was heading towards Earth to uh, make sure there's no impact. So, mm-hmm. I guess to answer the question, we're they're studying. They're trying to blow up that's an fine. asteroid. Yeah, that's fine. that's fine. Yeah, they're trying to prevent an asteroid or meteor from hitting Earth. But they can't send astronauts. They have to send a construction team. Oil rig. I've got robots I can send. <laughs> that was a really bad impression from Don't Look Up, but you got it. <laughs> yes, I was going to say uh, planetary defense from, you know, asteroids, meteors generally. So I think that works, right? Yep. All right. We're good. We're locked in. Yep. Points all around on this one. Uh, both... Uh, programs are looking for Earth impactor asteroids. Would you say deep impact, possibly? <laughs> I I felt that one coming on. Mm. You guys remember when you're in like the junior high school dance and uh, don't want to miss a thing would come on. Oh, that's a classic one. You look so across many. the gymnasium, <laughs> catch that girl's eye. Yeah. Yep. And or sit boy. there and not do anything. Yeah. 
with your hands in your pocket. I had, I had many Shuffle awkward, many awkward a dance where my hands were. were I don't want to hear where your hands were. were so sweaty. We're so sweaty. I don't believe this that you had awkward experiences. This as episode a youth. will be called <laughs> Neil's Clammy Palms. Hey, those clammy palms had many dances. Never amounted to anything. Please though. move on to the next question. Normally please. about with Brian Adams. Happily, happily. Uh, we're going on to question seven here. Playing the part, Joseph Grimaldi is commonly accepted to be the first example of what type of performer? Examples can be found in a Chicago television show that aired from 1949 to 2001. And another example was played by Tim Curry in a 1990 miniseries. Mm-hmm, what is the mm-hmm. occupation? Or what is uh, the type of performer? We are going to lock in over here. I think Jill knows this one too. What do you think? Well, Tim Curry miniseries, I think Pennywise, I think Clown. I do too. We also locked in with Clown and being here in Chicago, I believe he's talking about Bozo the Clown. So that's what we locked in with. We are talking about Bozo the Clown. I went to a taping of that once. Yeah. And I was so so angry I didn't get to do the uh buckets. The buckets, yeah. The buckets. Because I practice at home all the time. <laughs> he still, still do. does. <laughs> just, <laughs> just in case. Wait, didn't somebody in the studio say that they were the play at home? I was the play at home. You were the play at home. Yeah. Okay. And my, but my, your kids my sucked, loser right? kid <laughs> couldn't even sink two. I got nothing. What a loser. Did you ever loser. find that guy and like say you're a loser? <laughs> the wiener kid. Well, I'm saying it now on my podcast. <laughs> He's like a 40-year-old man at hey, this Matt, point. Yeah, to- gonna, Tony Richards from Joaquin. Knocks his, <laughs> man knocks stink. on his door. And I'm going to throw this out there, Matt, a... but owning someone on your podcast, <laughs> less impressive than you think. That's fine. Regards from Bozo. Yeah, my mom put me on a wait list for tickets for that show when I was a kid, and I had to be uh, in Finn or something along those lines. And by the time we actually got to the top of the wait list, uh, I was no longer interested in being on Bozo's service. You were... You're 25 years old. <laughs> <laughs> you're just tall in a sea of children. It's like, come on down, Ian. You're like, I'm going to stay here. You're still wearing the little pants, though, that he had when he was that age. It's like in 2015, the people who are signing their infants up for like Cubs uh, season oh, yeah. tickets. <laughs> Meet me Clark the Cub. No thanks. All right, question eight. Wagons ho. The Conestoga is a type of heavy covered wagon used primarily in the eastern United States in the 18th and 19th centuries. It was named for the Conestoga River and thought to be developed by German settlers in which U.S. state? No ideas where the Conestoga River is, Jill? No. Okay. Thinking about German settlers, though, I I always go to Pennsylvania because of the Pennsylvania Dutch. So I don't know if that... I like that. Okay. It's a big state, so maybe they have a Conestoga River. It's on towards the East Coast, so lock that in. We'll say uh, Pennsylvania. That's what I wrote down, and no disrespect to anyone living in Pennsylvania, but every time I drive through it, I never remember where I am, how long I've been there, and when I'm going to get out. Yeah, uh, we ended up locking in with a state that I know has a lot of rivers. Um, Very close to Pennsylvania. We're going with Ohio. Should have listened to Neil on this one. It is Pennsylvania. All right, question nine. He ain't heavy, father. He's my brother. Founded in Omaha in 1917, Boys Town is a nonprofit organization that began as an orphanage for boys. Who was the Roman Catholic priest who founded it as the City of Little Men? A 1938 movie was made about him starring Spencer Tracy. Well, he was alive at the time. No, he wasn't, was he? Pope John Paul? Let's just say Pope John Paul II. All right. <laughs> I, I believe it is Father Dunn. 
not sure who Father Dunn is, but it is Father Flanagan. Uh, the category title, uh, he ain't have you father, uh, that comes from a possibly apocryphal story about one of the boys carrying another who couldn't walk, I believe because of polio possibly. Uh, when asked if the carried boy was heavy, the boy replied with that phrase, he ain't heavy father, he's my brother. Uh, and like I said, movies have been made about this uh, father Flanagan and uh, oh, yeah, it's oh, Flanagan. A really heartwarm, heartwarming story. If you ever uh, look it up. All mm. right. Question 10. Hello, insert city name. The words at, at Budokan are included in the titles of live albums from Bob Dylan, Cheryl Crow, Ozzy Osbourne, and probably most famously Cheap Trick. What was Budokan originally intended for? All right. We could not figure out uh, what this possibly could be, but we just latched on to Buddha, and we thought maybe it's a convention of, of worship, of Buddhism, possibly. So that's what we went with. That was my same process of thinking. Okay. But I don't know for sure. Yeah. The only other thing I could think of is with Bob Dylan, that it would be like a protest or something, but... Whichever you feel better about. Um... Let's uh I'll, I'll flip the coin. And uh we're going to go uh we're going to go with a protest. Hey Jack, you want to play spoons? Um yeah, oh we already said worship, yeah. So that's our answer. Okay, uh unfortunately no points here. Uh Budokan is an indoor sports arena uh that is in Japan with, that was built for the Olympic judo competitions of the mm. 64 Olympics. Wait, is that where they so, do um New Japan wrestling or no, maybe that's somewhere else I'm thinking. That's somewhere else. Sumo. No, like the the big wrestling event is that other dome that's famous. Uh, he's, I, he's talking about like uh, top rope jumping off. Yeah, like perf- suplex. Yeah, yeah, that kind of Japanese wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. but there's another dome that they all have a huge event in. I can't remember. Maybe it's called the Superdome. I don't remember. It's not. No. <laughs> we could end that round <laughs> very painfully. All right. After five questions, looks like it is thirty for no pack no and go let go or in French go the go, uh, fifty points. Uh, so before we get to the swing round, uh, Jill, I just have one question for you. You have a beautiful Home Alone house behind you made out of Legos. Um, very, very important question. If uh, Yes, Kevin... it's pronounced Lego, not Legos. Lego yes, is there are tiny traps there set are... throughout. There. That was part of my question. There Another are. question was, uh, mm-hmm. if Kevin McAllister was visited by the Predator on Christmas with enough time to plan, would he beat the Predator or would the Predator kill Kevin McAllister? That is a difficult question. I, I still think Kevin would definitely win that one. All right, Kevin versus John Wick. Oh, John Wick for sure. <laughs> and then and, well, and, and John Kevin Wick wouldn't even have to enter John the house. <laughs> John Wick would not even have to enter that house. Catherine O'Hara comes back at the end, right when he when she leaves him. And Kevin has kills. Kevin has dropped a bowling ball from the top uh, the top yeah. uh, banister. On John Wick's dog. Played by Joe Pesci. Oh. And then Catherine Hare comes back, and then she kills John Wick, and, and Kevin's like, you're home. She goes, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, let's get the swing round already. All right, the swing round. State mottos. Each of these will be a state motto. Some are kept in their original languages. Some have been translated. Since state mottos are often vague platitudes about statehood or blessings from above, For the more difficult ones, I've added a bit of a clue. So here we go. Number one, north to the future. Number two, Eureka. An important find was discovered here. Number three, 
State Sovereignty National Union. Number four, the Crossroads of America. Number five, the English translation from the French is the Star of the North. The state is also known for its many waters. Number six, Oro y Plata. Ironically, the only motto in Spanish. Number seven, live free or die. Yeah. Number eight, Excelsior, the home of many heroes. Number nine, the English translation from the Latin, may the 14th star shine bright. It was the 14th state. And number 10, equal rights, the first state to grant suffrage to women. We will write these down and be right back with our answers. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Okay, all the answers are locked in. Before we throw it back to Ian to hear those questions one more time, I just wanted to remind everyone that uh, I have my first book coming out. It's called Being Patrick Swayze, Essential Teachings from the Master of the Mullet. It's going to be released on April 26th, but uh, for all listeners of Triviality, um, from now until March 1st, uh, there is a promo code if you'd like to order the book and pre-order it through the publisher. So if you go to trivialitypodcast.com slash Swayze, that's S-W-A-Y-Z-E, um, you can uh, get 30% off your purchase directly from the publisher. Um, they told me that all pre-orders uh, are going to be super important, pre-orders in the first week of release to help uh, just give uh, some publicity to the book, but also give me a chance to write another one. And I wanted to give that opportunity to you. Some of our patrons got that promo code uh, earlier, but uh, now you have it uh, for the month of February. So if you'd like to use that, uh, yeah, go to trivialitypodcast.com slash Swayze. And I'd really appreciate if you'd help uh, support uh, me and the show. Yeah. And I did read the book. And after I finished, my hair grew back 
So, uh, balding men out there, your new uh, hair loss cure also. Yeah, you got a glorious mullet uh, from reading it. There's some <laughs> trivia in there, some games, uh, some essays, things like that. So I think it'll be a lot of fun, a lot of good things, uh, Easter eggs for Triviality fans, and yeah. All right, let's uh, toss it over to Ian and get the questions one more time, see what our competitors came up with. All right, number one, north to the future. We locked in with uh, Wyoming. It was a guess. And uh, we said Alaska. Yep, and the answer is Alaska. That makes sense. That's the most north. <laughs> yeah, it does make sense. <laughs> Oops. Uh, number two was Eureka. Uh, 99% sure this is a state I once lived in, California. We also said California. Points all around. Number three, state sovereignty, national union. We went with Louisiana. Yep. I think this is actually on a flag that you've seen flying overhead quite a lot, gentlemen. I think this is Illinois. This is Illinois. I've never heard that <laughs> phrase one time. I haven't, I haven't either. Yeah. I thought I would die in the land of Lincoln. I was wondering if I'd catch you guys out on any of that. It took me way Number too long to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, Illinois has a very busy flag. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's way too much on there. It's the O'Hara flags. Crap, mm -hmm. you know, the construction cones and all the other stuff they put on there. Number four, the Crossroads of America. Uh, we know it's one of those middle states. We think maybe this is Missouri. We said Indiana. Yep, and this is your guys' neighbors, Indiana. Oh, boy. Uh, the Illinois flag actually has Illinois dunking on Indiana <laughs> on the flag, right? <laughs> yeah, they got actually Michael Jordan to, to pose for it. Yeah. A silhouette, yeah. Larry Bird is just cowering in the corner. <laughs> the flag is just a meme. <laughs> in the future, it will be. Number five, the star of the north. We went uh, with Minnesota. Figured uh, with all the clues about lakes and the fact that uh, they once had a team called the North Stars, we too said Minnesota. This is Minnesota. Uh, number six, and my apologies if I'm mispronouncing this, but Oro y Plata. Um, we're not 100% sure. We think maybe this is New Mexico. This is one I know that I had heard before, but couldn't remember. But luckily, Jeff still knew, and it is, uh, we said Montana. Yep, so uh, uh, ironically, a state that borders Canada has a Spanish motto, and that is Montana. Mm. Number six, or sorry, number seven, live free or die. Yeah, thanks to live free or die hard, uh, die hard four, we went to uh, New Hampshire. actually have this uh, logo up in the studio. We have a little bumper sticker from uh, New Hampshire. Uh, listener gave it to us. Uh, it says live free or die, so we knew New Hampshire. Yep, New Hampshire. Number eight, Excelsior. I think this refers to something with Marvel. Uh, I think from the heroes are from. I, we said New York. We also said New York. Points all around. It is New York, home of many heroes, super or otherwise. All right, number nine. May the 14th star shine bright. This one uh, we weren't really sure about, but when we went through the list and all of our answers, we said there has to be a hometown nod here. Uh, for Ian, so we just took a guess and said Vermont. I believe you're quite correct with that. We too said Vermont. Good game theory guess. It is Vermont. Mm. And number ten, equal rights. 
not 100% sure on here. I think it might have been on the West Coast. So we said Oregon. Yeah, we said Wyoming. Uh, points for Wyoming. Mm. All right. That will conclude the swing round. Both teams did pretty good, picking up 25 points. No pack, no, bringing their total score to 55 points. But uh, acing the swing round, go, let go. And uh, they had 50 points coming in, so they're at 100. You got some work to do, Neil. I know. We're, we're trailing far behind. So second round, it's not the biggest river here. After losing his re-election bid of 1912, as you do, Theodore Roosevelt and his son Kermit, yes, that was his name, undertook an exploration adventure in South America. The Roosevelt River is now named for him. In what country is the Roosevelt? Any Do you ideas? have anything, Jeff? I was hoping you might. Um, I, I don't really. My thoughts are... Um, I'm thinking of places that would have a lot of rivers. Um, Brazil would obviously have a lot of rivers with the Amazon, uh, probably tributaries and things like that. Um, my other thought was maybe Colombia, right down the the way from Panama. So, um, yeah, that sounds good. Apparently, we like naming clothing companies after South American countries. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now that I realize, um, let's just say Colombia. Colombia, yeah. Heard it's snowing in Colombia today too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I thinking, I was thinking about the time that Neil came out to visit me and we had some delicious Peruvian food. Mm-hmm. Mario's. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm thinking let's, let's say Peru. I like it. Well, the Amazon river does go through Peru, uh, but I was hoping you guys would get to Brazil. <sighs> we keep saying the answers. We're just not locking in with them. Well, we want to get the, the right answers out of the way so we can get to whatever <laughs> nonsense we're going to say. <laughs> What are all these right answers doing in here? <laughs> Get them out of here. We tease like we know things. They don't spark joy. Get them out. <laughs> hey, uh, Dad, do you want to go to Carnival? <laughs> yeah. Imagine Teddy Roosevelt at Carnival. I, w- I wish we could. I... <laughs> Why is that not a Netflix series? It's wearing a sequined like, bra. The sequel to Emily in Paris. I had a Teddy glass of brandy and she was dressed as a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel is Teddy and Carnival. Uh, I, we, I wish we could talk more about the Kermit thing, but we can't because it, it's too dirty. It's someone, not, someone will figure it out. Not safe for work. It's not safe for work. It's so funny. For this podcast. <laughs> All right. Next question. Moving on from Kermit. Such a happy little guy. Slimy is the pet worm of what fictional character who first popped out of a can in 1969? I believe he was orange at the time. I think this is Oscar the Grouch. Oh, I, I knew it sounded familiar. 69 popped out of a can. A garbage can, possibly. Back in 69, <laughs> popped out of a can. It'd be a, a Bob Dylan. It's your Bob Dylan. It, earlier it was more of a George Harrison, and now it's moved on to whatever that was. Um, a more Bruce Springsteen. I say a bad, <laughs> bad Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Oscar? Oscar? Yeah, let's go. That's fine with me. Is he? Yeah, I guess he. Ca- yeah, he popped out of a can. Yeah, yeah. Oscar, and uh, Jill. Yep, it's Oscar the Grouch. Points all around. It is Oscar the Grouch. Good job, guys. Hmm. Yeah, we were due. All right. Question three. It really sticks with you. Trash polka is a mixed media form of a particular art style that uses mainly black and red to combine photorealistic portraits with large black areas and geometric or abstract shapes. 
what art style is trash polka a form of? I believe we can lock in. I'm surprised, I'm surprised Jeff yeah. remembers. We this has been I asked before. Right? Never forget. Except I, just, I do all the time. Ken, did you ask it? No. no, no, but I know who did. I learned this before too on the show. It <laughs> was on this, this show. very show. It was the opposite. I don't want to say who I think. It was the opposite. We it had was to an answer. Inverted question. We had to answer trash polka. That's right. I think it was misinfo. It's possible. I, I was just talking to someone about trash polka because it was like if Weird Al did an Anthrax song. <laughs> I honestly can't remember so where I got the idea for this question. That's thrash polka. <laughs> 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 so close. So we're we're looking Scottian, for the Scottian is so mad at you right now. We're looking for the art form that yeah. Uses. It, so it it's it's like um like papier mâché. Yeah, but it's not um <laughs> because it never is, Neil. No, it was that one time we I, asked a question about uh. I'm being funny. Frida Kahlo's or Diego, I think he did some kind of paper mâché stuff. Um, but uh. It's like a collage, I think. I think that's what we're looking for. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, just a lot of different pieces of art and photographs. and Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds good. So we're going to say uh, collage. Sadly, no. I think this, uh, Jill, correct me if this sounds wrong to you, but I believe this may or may not be what's on Neil's back were it to exist. So I was going to go with tattoo. All right. And points to Jeff and Jill. It is yeah. tattooing. Mm. If I had one, I'd know the answer. <laughs> if you had one. But we don't know. All right. Next question. The lady with the data. The pie chart was developed by William Playfair in 1801. The polar area diagram, a type of pie chart, was developed later in the 1800s by a nurse when she demonstrated that bad drainage, contaminated water, overcrowding, and poor ventilation were causing a high death rate. Who was this person who, in 1859, was the first woman elected to the Royal Statistical Society. We're probably looking for a famous nurse, right? Yeah. So there's two. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think either fall into this time frame, but... I don't know, should we just lock in with a guess? It's a shame that there's only two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What was the name of the category? Just in terms of trivia. Yeah, yeah. The name of the category was The Lady with the Data. Who played Data in Star Trek? Uh, Brent that Spiner. Help. That doesn't help. How'd you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Straight off the top of his head. Brent Spiner. <laughs> You're a sick man. He didn't. He didn't miss a beat. It's like he's a Trekkie or something. Like I'm sure he's never it. seen an episode. Uh, we're locked in with something. Yeah. Well, when he was describing this this pie chart, it sounded like a Venn diagram. That but, was my first thought too. Right. But is. There's someone who's is, is it named for somebody like I mean, we just Venn say could be Venn? the name of the nurse. I don't know. <laughs> sure. I don't know the history of a Venn diagram. I just love memes made of them. So that, it, it's as good as an answer as any. I think. Okay, we will lock in with Venn. Oh, that's smart. We didn't even think of the the charting. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So I think you just you just really like the name Nightingale. And yeah. the movie Frequency. Right. The Nightingale murders. It was between that and Toronto Raptors coach Nick Nurse. So we went with... Nightingale? Yeah. All right. So points to Matt and Neil on this one. Uh, the lady with the lamp, uh, otherwise known as Florence Nightingale. <laughs> oh, no way. Uh, we don't deserve nice those points. <laughs> well, we missed the polar poll. area. I that was too obvious. <laughs> Sorry. The polar area <laughs> diagram was originally called the Nightingale Rose diagram. Wow. I like that name better. 
I'm kind of pleased it was one of the two. Yeah. I Well, we should just be going with our gut now because we were overthinking it. We, we could have gotten Poe. Mm-hmm. But That's it. All right, let's get question five. All right, question five. An expert in many fields. What mathematician, physicist, and astronomer in 1701 developed his own temperature scale, which he named after himself, his interest in temperature came from his work with various metals at the Royal Mint. I think our current I, scale is too convenient. <laughs> I think um, he was working with his partner, who t Hobbes, who had all the credit. Is this Kelvin? Is that I think yeah, that the Kel or Kelvin, right? Yeah, it's Kelvin. K e l v i n. Yeah. Um, I get the joke, though. I don't like it. No, it's fine. Uh, you don't like it. We're gonna lock in with Kelvin. Fahrenheit was also a, uh, named after. The person, but Mr. I, Fahrenheit. I think this is Kelvin. So that's what I was Lord Kelvin. Too. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, this is Isaac Newton. <sighs> uh, he defined <laughs> he he defined his zero point as quote the heat of air in winter at which water begins to freeze, and even more <laughs> ambiguously, a scale of six was the heat of midday about the month of July. So you can see why we don't use it today. Wow. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. The gravity of losing is just on top of us right now. Yeah. We're at negative two Newtons in I took here. one too many <laughs> apples to the head. Not not too strong of our first half of the second round. Uh, 75 for no pack no. And go let go. 120. All right. Question six. I'd love to watch him work. Gala's husband was a Spanish artist who is known for his unusual images. He loved her so much that he would sign both Gala's and his own name on his paintings and went so far as to say about her, it is mostly with your blood, Gala, that I paint my pictures. Who was Gala's husband? All right, we're going to be the don't overthink it boys from, from the last five questions here. We're going to lock in. <laughs> Any uh, ideas on this one, Jill? Um, not really. Uh, do you? I wasn't thinking this sounded of Picasso necessarily, but... Maybe Dali. That was actually like I was thinking Dali. Then you just said Picasso, and I was like, "Hmm." I think we should. So, uh, uh, guts have been not checked today, so let's uh, let's just go with it and say Salvador Dali. Dali. Okay. So we wrote Dali, but right now, as I'm saying it, there's that one other artist in Spain that is just as big as Dali. That there did three Spanish <laughs> artists. Well, three. <laughs> There's Picasso, there's Dali. There, there are two terrible. nurses. <laughs> yeah. Two nurses, three Spanish artists. And a, and a uh, partridge One Dutch and a pear boy. Tree. One Dutch boy. What's the name of the other the artist? We, we, we didn't lock in with it. Do you mean? know who I'm talking about? That other big Spanish artist that did like real dark paintings, maybe about war? Goya. Goya. So I've, it might be Goya, but we locked in with Dali. The beans guy? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so I'd love to, to watch him work as painting melting watches in his paintings oh. this is dali oh right thankfully nice kept Woo. it simple all right 10 points for the don't overthink it boys 10 <laughs> points for go let go all right question seven ask your local conspiracy theorist cassiterite is the primary ore from which what metal the 50th element on the periodic table is smelted mm. let's just say it's it's not silver gold mm -hmm. maybe it's platinum i don't know how this works with yeah you want to okay you just want to go it's platinum. not iron yeah I... let's just say platinum platinum don't overthink it boys overthinking it. overthinking it all right jill i'm 
I was pretty sure I knew it right from the get-go. I, w- I had to weed out a couple possibilities. But then when I thought about conspiracy theorists, I always think of their hats being made of aluminum. But it's more likely that uh, people say they're made of tin. Oh. So I think we should lock in with tin. Okay, I like it. All right. So, yeah, if you're a hipster uh, conspiracy theorist, you're going to use Cassiterite to uh, make your artisanal tinfoil hat. This is tin. <laughs> Aliens. Um, nice job. The characterization of it as an artisanal hat. <laughs> Priceless. My, my ethically sourced tin. <laughs> Music and movies. In 1983, Buffy St. Marie became the first indigenous person to win an Oscar. The song she co-wrote, Up Where We Belong, reached number one in the U.S. The song also won both the aforementioned Oscar and a Golden Globe for Best Original Song. What 1982 Richard Gere film was mm-hmm. the song written for? I'm going to pick Matt up here and <laughs> walk him through a factory. We're going to lock in. And I won't be back for 10 minutes. All right, Jill. <laughs> looks like uh, uh, looks like you had this one called. Yeah, I believe it's an officer and a gentleman. And we'll lock that in. We also said an officer and a gentleman. Points all around. It is an officer and a gentleman. Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warrens also won a Grammy for the recording of the song. Classic. Mm-hmm. All right. Pioneers. Name the man, sometimes called the father of science fiction, for whom a science fiction award is named. He was an inventor, writer, though by most accounts not a very good one, and editor. He also published the first science fiction magazine, Amazing Stories. All right, we wrote down a bunch of names. Uh, we cannot think of the the one that we think it is. We know the books that they wrote. Uh, so we have a backup answer that we're locked in with. So I had a couple thoughts. Yes. Um, my first thought was Kurt Vonnegut, but I don't know science fiction. Yeah, Ray Bradbury. And then I thought Lovecraft. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about H.P. Lovecraft. I think he was more like horror. Um, then there was, um, I think I think you're onto something with the, Vonnegut, I don't think is science so it, was, it was science fiction, right? Is that what we're looking for? I mean, the I guess ones I've read bit. of him seems kind it's of science, science fiction, fiction award. Science fiction yeah. award. Um, I like Bradbury. The other name I had in mind was, is it Isaac something or Asimov? Or... Asimov, yeah. I mean, the part of the clue that says he wasn't a very good writer kind yeah. of threw me. Because um, everybody that you mentioned, I think, is... Pretty uh, praised. So yeah, I'm really struggling here. I feel like I've heard it, but I think I, Bradbury has. I think Bradbury has an award. So do you want to go do with that? I think so too. Yeah. Okay, we'll lock I, in I'm, on that. Well, I guess we'll say Bradbury. Yeah, we wrote down a bunch of names: uh, Asimov, H.G. Wells, Arthur C. Clarke. Oh, War of the Worlds. Uh, yeah, we Clark. couldn't think of Jules Verne. That was the name we were trying to figure out. Ah, Twenty Thousand Leagues. But, yeah. Yeah. We ended up just going Asimov because we, we couldn't figure it out. All right. Uh, no points on this one. This is Hugo Gernsback. Mm-hmm. If you look on any uh, science fiction, well-known science fiction uh, book cover, you'll probably see Hugo award-winning mm-hmm. oh, along those lines. Yeah. That was a name I couldn't think of. I knew, I knew <laughs> I've written questions about Hugo award-winning books. It's but... funny because I've seen that and I never put, I never thought about it being a first name. I just... I thought Victor Hugo or something. I never, I never even thought about it. Like yeah. literally, that's good to know. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about trivia is that you run and in, run into something like, oh, I've seen that a thousand times. I never actually knew where that came from. Never bothered to look into it. Yeah. 
All right. Question 10. Ray Charles will tell you it's the right one. Across the East River from the United Nations headquarters in New York City is an iconic neon sign which was built in 1940 and re relocated to its current location in 2003. It was designated as a New York City landmark in 2016. What beverage company does this sign advertise? We can look in. Neil has a strict advantage having been to New mm. York City, where I have not. It's Yoohoo, right? It is, it is Yoohoo. <laughs> half Yoohoo, half uh, Nesquik. This is what that Seinfeld episode was about, right? Mm -hmm. Kenny Rogers Roasters? That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, what are you talking about? You guys are locked in, you said? We are. Wasn't Ray Charles in a Pepsi commercial? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, he was definitely in a Pepsi commercial. And so. isn't that a slogan of Pepsi? What was the... What was the clue? The category name is Ray Charles will tell you it's the right one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's Pepsi. Yep. In New York, they have a red uh, Pepsi Cola sign. So we locked in with. Points all around. It is Pepsi Cola. All right. Concluding the second round. Looks like uh, Go Let Go has a resounding lead with 160. The Don't Overthink It Boys, 105. Now entering the final round, let's get the categories. All right. So your final round categories, fairly straightforward. They are number one, literature. Number two, records. Number three, history. Number four, ancient history. And number five, pop culture. And all the wagers are now locked in. So let's go ahead and get the questions. All right. Question one, category one, literature. The Screw Tape Letters, published in 1942, is an epistolary novel written by one author and dedicated to another. Both authors were Christian men who debated with one another over how to portray Christianity in their works. Name the two authors. Number two, records. The Barbie doll, the Atari 2600, the bicycle, and the cardboard box have all been enshrined in a Hall of Fame. What Hall of Fame are they part of? Number three, history. The American Revolution came to an official end in 1783 with the signing of the Treaty of what city? Number four, ancient history. Joyeuse is the name of the legendary sword of one man who was King of the Franks, King of the Lombards, and Emperor of the Romans, though not a god. Name the king, the so-called Father of Europe, who lived from 748 to 814. And number five, pop culture. Take your pick and name the city in New Mexico that was named for a 1940s to 50s radio program. <laughs> All right, those are the questions. Uh, everybody's going to think about them, and we'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome. 
Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. And we are back from the uh, final with the answers. Let's see how everybody did. Uh, Ian, can you please read the questions again? Certainly. So question one, literature. The Screwtape Letters, published in 1942, is an epistolary novel written by one author and dedicated to another. Both authors were Christian men who debated with one another over how to portray Christianity in their works. Name the two authors. On the line for this question, the Don't Overthink It Boys, five points, and Go Let Go, ten points. Yeah, this one I knew uh, both authors were friendly and, and wrote each other quite a bit, and uh, one author's works, his series, had a lot of uh, Christian influence. So we locked in with C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, Jill and I couldn't come up with it. I feel bad knowing that it's Tolkien, if that's correct, uh, that I didn't figure this one out. But, um, yeah, we, we got nothing, so I think we're losing ten. And, yep, they've got it with uh, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Uh, they both kind of argued over how to portray Christ and Christianity in their works. Number two, records. The Barbie doll, the Atari 2600, the bicycle, and the cardboard box have all been enshrined in a Hall of Fame. What Hall of Fame are they part of? Uh we wagered 30 on this one, and I do think I remember hearing about this in that uh, documentary thing on Netflix, The Toys That Made Us. I think this is actually just the Toy Hall of Fame. And for 15 points, go let go. Uh, we also said the Toy Hall of Fame. Points all around. It is the Toy Hall of Fame. We were going to overthink it. Like... Uh, is it the Smithsonian? What yeah. is it? <laughs> Number three, history. The American Revolution came to an official end in 1783 with the signing of the Treaty of what city? 20 points for Don't Overthink It and 20 points for Go La Go. Yeah, I always uh, try to remember both uh, possible answers. Matt said, is this the uh, Treaty of Versailles? And I said, no, that was, uh, you know, World War I, World War II era. And I remember the other one is Treaty of Paris. So we said Paris. Very nice. Uh, we too said the Treaty of Paris. Points all around. It is the Treaty of Paris. Number four, ancient history. Joyeuse is the name of the legendary sword of one man who was king of the Franks, king of the Lombards, and emperor of the Romans, though not a god. Name the king, the so-called father of Europe, who lived from 748 to 814. You know, I'm much more confident now that I heard the not a god, because I think that does... Mm -hmm. Lend to uh, the rapper who is Charlemagne the God. So we locked in with Charlemagne. And that's for 20 points? We had the same 
uh, conversation once Jeff said Charlemagne and uh, yes, Charlemagne the God. So yes, Charlemagne. Not holy, also, not Roman, but definitely emperor. Also for 20 points. And the correct answer is Charlemagne. And question five, pop culture. Take your pick and name the city in New Mexico that was named for a 1940s to 50s radio program. All right. It's going to be 30 points for Don't Overthink It and 20 points for Go Let Go. This one we just said, let's not overthink it and uh, take our pick. And we know that there's a huge uh, film business in Albuquerque. And we thought maybe it all started in the 40s with the radio business. So we said Albuquerque. And uh, this was actually a trivia question that I had heard a long, long time ago before, you know, I ever started playing in pub trivia or in the bars. Uh, just weird places around the United States. And there's a little town in New Mexico called Truth or Consequences that I believe is the right answer. Wow. This is truth or consequences. Man, what a fact. I've never yeah. heard that before. Well, we deserve to lose if we if they're going to get that one. So That's the truth. Good job, Jeff. Now, what are our consequences, Thanks, Jill. Ken? <laughs> All right. The consequences are, well, no consequences because you guys did pretty damn well in that final round. You actually picked up points, ending with 150. Mm. But Jeff and Jill cannot be stopped. Um, they got a ton of points in that round, and it's uh, 225. So wow. they are the cream of the crop. And don't forget it, Dutch boy. I'd like to say a big thank you. Jill helped me out uh, on quite a few questions I would have been totally lost on. A very, uh, very true partnership today. Uh, I think we really built something uh, together. So That's right. <laughs> Great job. Legos. Yes, thanks so much for having me, guys. This was so much fun. And thanks, Ian. That was an awesome game. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody. I had a great time today. Every, uh, thanks to everyone on the Discord who play tested this for me, and thank you to the guys for letting me come on and, and uh, quiz them. Uh, to all the youngsters out there, go ahead and smash uh, that like button, and don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> great shout out by Ian there for the Discord. So if you aren't a member of our Discord, please join it. Uh, we usually have links in the show notes, or you'll, you'll be able to find it. Just message us if you can't. Um, but there's a lot of playtesting going on there. So I, if you are interested in hosting a game, get it playtested. I'd also like to congratulate Matt and Neil. I think they did a great job. I think they played well. And, uh, you know, kudos to you guys. Admirable fight. Oh, thank you. Well, we, we lost, you know, we're like Rocky. Mm -hmm. and, the, and great job to Ken. I think those scores are accurate. Yeah. So Thanks. Great job, Ken. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll treat myself later to like a hot cocoa or something. That's a nice nice sentiment there. All right. Uh, Ian, any uh, last uh, last words there? Uh, not really. Just uh, you know, uh, go ahead and support some uh, local charities. Uh, go ahead and volunteer at a shelter or uh, soup kitchen or something like that. Go out and help your community. There you go. There's definitely. And I shouldn't say last words because life goes on after triviality. <laughs> it does, of course. Uh, Jill, <laughs> any uh, final shout-outs? Uh, sure. Um, I would just like to thank my family for helping me make the time to come on today. Not even just helping to make the time, but basically saying you know, you got to go do this because I've been saying this for a while. Um, and, you know, um, don't forget to be kind to each other. All right. Get back to your secret agent business. Thank you so much for joining us. We It was a joy to have you both. And uh, that will be our episode for Jeff, Neil, Matt, and myself. That was Triviality. In what country is the Roosevelt? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <Just fighting. laughs> did you know did you know Roosevelt had a river? I was trying no. so hard to not yeah. bring up the Kermit <laughs> Omegle thing on this episode. And it just drops right in my lap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh.